0: Welcome to this Successful Farming Podcast. I'm Lori Boyer. This episode is brought to you by Pioneer. At Pioneer, our name is our mission. What's next happens here. Today, my guest is Nathan Johanning. He is a commercial agricultural educator with the University of Illinois. Let's get started with our conversation here, Nathan, with you telling us a little bit more about yourself and your background.
1: Sure. As you said, I'm a commercial agriculture educator for the University of Illinois. I work in the southern part of Illinois in the St. Louis metro east area. So my home office is in Waterloo, which is kind of on the south side of the St. Louis uh, metro area. And so I work in commercial agricultural crops. I work settlement specialty crops and also grain crops fairly heavily in a lot of work with no-till production, cover crops, mm. especially this time of year, cover crops are uh, kind of first on our minds since it's kind of the season for that amongst other things with the busyness of harvest and everything else. So so no, I've been with Extension for around nine years and worked in ag research and in various cropping systems here in Illinois for probably 15 years or more or so.
0: Thank you for that information, Nathan. What an impressive background you have. And that sets us up for a good discussion here today on seed selection. When should growers be making their seed selections for 2023 planting?
1: So realistically, as far as some of our seed selections, you know, certainly there's things you can do now. Uh, I would say probably, you know, looking forward to the future, I would even start thinking about it in things like August. Pick the lull before you start harvest and have seen, you know, think about what you want to do lined up, especially as you get a little bit of experience and you have maybe a few things in ground or have ideas of kind of things you want to do. You know, uh, no different than we kind of plan our commodity crops. I think, you know, thinking of thinking of our cover crops and kind of planning for them no different than we would maybe, you know, uh, ordering our, you know, our corn and soybean seed, I think is in line, mainly because that way you can have it on hand. So right after harvest, or as soon as you have an opportunity, you can react and plant. A lot of times with our cover crops, one thing to think is that because we're kind of ending the latter part of the growing season, as far as growing degree days, some cases every day counts. Where I'm at here, we've had a dry stretch of weather. So we're actually kind of been waiting on rain and some things have been laying in the soil, maybe even a few weeks now waiting just to germinate. But in other years, you know, a rain might be coming and you may need to get out sooner than later. And sometimes getting in before that rain or, you know, potentially the maybe four or seven days after before you'd be able to get in again could make a lot of difference depending on how weather shifts. You know, we can go from having You know, right now we're still uh, pretty nice. We're in the 70s today, but then it's going to cool off. We can soon, temperature can shut down pretty much and we can get a lot of limited growth. So uh, it's almost every day that you can get a cover crop in a ground. You know, after harvest is kind of a day gained as far as fall growth and establishment. For some cover crops, that's more important than others. Some can handle, you know, a little later planting conditions and still survive the winter. Things like some of our clovers and legumes and stuff tend to need a little bit better establishment before winter just to get a good root system to keep them in the ground, keep them from frost heaving and get enough size that they can overwinter. So realistically, uh, certainly now the things to think about is, you know, if you do have some added acres or you want to get into cover crops is where, first off, you know, what crop you're going to be going into and then kind of lining up some of those other goals that you have for cover crops as far as trying to make some of those seed selections now.
0: Nathan coming off of harvest what kinds of things do we need to take into consideration when choosing to make changes or to purchase the same kind of seed for the following year
1: I think for trying to evaluate things as, as far as changes and things I think certainly you know looking at you know what performed the best for us in the previous years, or, or even if you don't have a lot of experience, if you know someone, a neighbor or someone else that's had some successes, looking at that, I think is probably the best kind of basis and start thinking about not only what you have now, you know, what's going to be coming up, what crops and what you have for, you know, next season and le- even looking at crop rotations and things like that as you're uh, you know, trying to balance kind of what to put in uh, where in the system. So
0: We'll take a break here and be right back with more from Nathan Johanning.
2: There's nothing like seeing a big number on your combine's yield monitor. The seeds of your harvest started here in the Pioneer Research Lab, where we use advanced breeding technologies to bring seed innovations to your fields faster so you can be confident that Pioneer will help you enjoy more harvest moments year after year. That's what it takes to earn the name Pioneer. What's next happens here. Learn more at pioneer.com slash next.
0: The podcast continues now. Once again, I'm Lori Boyer, and I'm visiting with Nathan Johanning. He is a commercial agricultural educator with the University of Illinois. Nathan, when farmers come to you looking for recommendations on seed selection, what are some of the recommendations that you give them?
1: The first recommendation in general, and there's lots of resources out there, is look at when you're choosing your cover crops, look at your goals. So know if, and it could be one goal that you have for your operation. It could be, a lot of them could be field by field. In some cases, it could be some highly erodible ground that you really need. You just need to keep the soil in place. It could be a field that's really weedy and you're trying to find some things to help battle, say weeds and soybeans the next year and needing extra tools. It could be a head of corn. It could be, you know, just nitrogen production or just good soil health, good seed bed for early planting. So there's all kinds of, Things And that's where I would start as far as down that road. Now, so from there, I think when you choose varieties, I think, uh, you know, most common things, you know, cereal rye is probably one of the most common cover crops that we utilize, especially ahead of soybeans. Why do we utilize it? It's fairly economical. It's fairly easy to get a hold of. And to be quite honest, you can establish it. It depends on where you're at. But in southern Illinois, we have at least through the month of November that we can still Seed cereal rye in most years and get a reliable some cover again the next year. So not everything's that forgiving, and this is certainly a year where we tend to have later harvest overall. So that limits some of our opportunities to do some of the things that really do need a little greater length of time to handle. From there, I've worked a lot with some of the clover species, like crimson clover and even balancer, both of which, especially the balanza, is a newer clover species that we've been doing some work in a lot of growers have had some pretty good successes with with some of the clovers especially ahead of corn you know looking at them you know things to consider we can talk more and you know later just you know the management in the spring you know termination how we're going to handle them so that's always some things to consider especially starting off but looking at if you have some earlier planting things like oats and oilseed radishes and other things like that are also really good options the biggest thing with those last two i mentioned is that they really aren't winter hardy for us so at this point in time which we're late october to me there's not a ton of point in planting say oats or radish at this point in time just because of the fact that while they will grow in the cooler weather, they don't survive the winter. So it's just hard to get a lot of growth and see a lot of benefit from at this point. And just because they will often germinate and get up, maybe grow a little bit, but you don't get a ton of cover out of them. Now, if it was a month ago and say we had earlier harvest, you get in in the mid or end of September, it's a lot different story. Those are two good examples where every day counts as you approach you know colder and colder weather. Annual ryegrass is another one that's used commonly in some areas. Annual ryegrass of some of the grasses does take a little more work to manage. I think there's been kind of annual ryegrass had some concerns, especially a few years ago when we kind of had the the big cover crop push and we had some short seed supply and some people ended up with some situations where I struggled to manage it. I think we've gotten a lot better at Not only selecting our seed, we're selecting known varieties where we know what we're getting. I think that helps a ton in some of the management issues as far as trying to terminate in the spring. And I think that we have a lot of guys like that, especially due to its really good ability to root down in the soil, especially heavy acidic soils, poorly drained soils that handles well. That encompasses or describes a lot of fields, especially in southern Illinois, hit on some of those, the flat, poorly drained soils, acidic soils. So that's another another good one. And there's certainly tons of species. Those are some of the highlights and some of the things that we hear a lot of as far as cover crops You know, in the Midwest.
0: You just touched on what I was going to ask next, and that was, and you mentioned soils, and that is like, what should we be evaluating? What are your suggestions for evaluating your soil post-harvest so you know what you're looking at for seed selection?
1: So as far as evaluating your soil in general, the biggest thing, you know, as we look to see, you know, if you start using cover crops, as far as how do we evaluate, you know, the improvements we're getting from the soil, I think to me, there's many tests that you can look into. I'm still a very big fan of just even just taking a shovel out and just seeing, you know, how easy, whether it be spring or fall or whenever, you know, looking at any old crop roots, just taking a shovel, how easy you can just pop a spade full of soil out, flip it over and see how well it crumbles or if it just comes out in big chunks or if you can't even get the shovel in the ground down here, it's so dry. Even the best soils we tend to struggle with. But just looking at that, you know, in the spring, sometimes you can, you know, look at earthworm activity and things like that. I think it's just Mm. more of looking at the quality rather than maybe always having a exact, say, numerical test to put behind it. But looking at after the planter, this is another thing for the spring, seeing how well um, the soil you know crumbles and fills back in even under moist conditions for spring planting i've seen a lot of the tilt of the soil and some of these no-till and cover crop fields can be really good to where you know in the spring you'll look back and even if it's a little moist sometimes you know with no-till planting you can go in and that uh, seed slot will just crumble shut you know really well and the limited crusting and things like that whereas compared with you know non-cover crop fields especially more conventional tilled and things this year i know a lot of guys had some issues with some crusting with having the dynamic of weather you know we went from being really wet and then things getting in it turned super hot and there's some soils especially down here that bake like an oven on that top layer whenever we went from cool and wet to hot and dry in such a hurry so those are just kind of some random things but things that i like to look at and appreciate in a soil with cover crops and things that i think you can look at and see over time
0: And that being said, what do you suggest that farmers do to go ahead and prepare their fields and get them ready for the next planting season?
1: You know, the biggest things: seeding cover crops and preparing those for the next season. And obviously, you know, as far as how to plant the cover crops in that field preparation, you know, there's all kinds of ways that we can prepare. In some cases, cereal rye, we can broadcast things just on top of the ground. At this point, you know, a little later in the season, broadcasting works for some. I still drilling or some way of getting some good seed to soil contact, I think gives you the best usage of your seed as far as seed to soil contact and you know the amount of seed you plant and number of plants you end up getting to germinate. But also that can be limited as far as the access, but there's lots of variations on that with Air seeders on vertical tillage or rolling harrows or anything like that that can really be a great tool, even seeding with the combine. I've seen a few cases, innovative growers that have mounted air seeders where you're delivering seed under a combine header right behind the machine. Anything you can do to get that cover crop seed closer to the soil is gonna be effort well spent. Even just the idea of having cover crop seed and innovative concept of putting a air seeder on the combine header having it drop out basically right below the header and then all the residue that comes off the combine kind of lands on top of it you know, that's one thing if you just broadcast seed after harvest you're going on on top of a lot of that residue so anything even very light disturbance of the soil with a harrow or a vertical tillage tool can help to disturb the soil and get some of that seed that would be otherwise on top of the residue then down below it closer to the soil. So you don't necessarily have to be super aggressive with some of these things. Things like annual ryegrass and all of our clovers really don't need to be much more than a quarter inch deep. And actually, you can get them too deep easier than you can get them too shallow in some cases. So don't feel like the dust has to fly necessarily, just fluffing up the residue a little bit that can be really beneficial and prevent from having to do a lot of extra, extra movement of soil and even shallow tillage that, you know, maybe isn't necessary. So even in some cases, just a basic hair. I've even seen over corn stalks, the concept of running even like an old rotary hoe or something that just kind of fluff up the residue and let that seed sift down to the soil surface can be really helpful.
2: This show continues
0: right after this.
2: You know how they say the most important thing in real estate is location, location, location? Well, location is critical to seed innovation as well. That's why Pioneer invests millions every year in local testing, more than 17,000 on-farm trials. It's all to ensure that you can plant seed proven to perform in fields just like yours. Because at Pioneer, our name is our mission. What's next happens here learn more at pioneer.com slash next
0: welcome back as we continue here on the successful farming podcast nathan johanning is joining me he is a commercial agricultural educator with the university of illinois and we are talking about seed selection and field preparations for the 2023 planting season and nathan when we talk about selecting seeds as we have been here today When do we advise people, or when do you advise people, I should say, to try out a new seed? When is the time right to try maybe some new varieties that come to market?
1: As growers start from initially, maybe first adopting a cover crop, looking forward from there, I think start with something basic. Cereal rye ahead of soybeans is certainly a great one. ahead of corn, if you can get the option to get in things like oats or even a radish or clover, those are all Great. Cereal rye, you can use a head of corn. I'll just put in my kind of plug or aside on that is that just remember, we often see some challenges with that and some of which growers accept just because they want to protect their soil and they don't mind potentially even taking a little hit on yield sometimes. But when we do see that, it has a lot to do with nitrogen. I would say all around nitrogen. Remember, you have a grass cover crop like cereal rye, which is an excellent nitrogen scavenger, and you're putting it right behind or you're trying to follow it up with a very nitrogen-needy crop like corn. So if you do that, terminate cereal rye when it's young, even early. And if you do take it further out, just be proactive with nitrogen management. Things like starter fertilizer and things like that are great ways to help overcome it. But the reality is is that I've struggled to see really optimal yields with, say, a mature cereal rye cover crop and corn following it without just some being really on top of your nitrogen management. You can still grow a good crop. That's just a little bit of an aside, but something that I think that's really important with to consider in choosing your cover crops. But I think going back to your original question, just start with some basic things. And then as you get further down the line, as you have more experience, then start including more things, things like cereal rye or some of the things that do winter terminate like oats, if you can get them in early. Oats is a great starter ahead of corn. If you've ever had a chance to plant oats in say mid to early September, let them grow. And then sometimes we'll add some radishes with it. The soil tilth after a winter killed oat crop is just really good. The fibrous root system of oat and even the, the radish root system just Leave the soil fairly mellow in the spring, so super easy to no-till corn into. But then from there, as you get on things like some of the clovers that overwinter, some growers still use a lot of hairy vetch and other things like that. Those are things you can add in. The concept of mixes, some of the most innovative growers are using maybe a couple of grass species and then maybe a couple of different legume species. And they may even have corn go in early. Maybe it's when the grasses are less than a foot tall, they may go in and spray like a, a grass-specific herbicide kill off the grasses and let the legumes continue to grow till closer to planting. But overall, I think build with experience. Some of the biggest challenges in cover crops is whenever we can get maybe just a little too, say, starstruck by, you know, like a big, really complex, say, cover crop mix or maybe just some really new species. And I think anyone that's done this would say just start with something basic. And once you know and feel comfortable with that in your farming system, your management system. Then from there, take it the next step, add some more things, you know, make it more complex. Once you have that experience, then can really take on really whatever you want to at that point and have a lot better handle on it and make the most of it for your cropping system.
0: Nathan, what are your suggestions in finding a trusted seed dealer to work with?
1: So with any of this, some things that I look for is, is certainly someone that pulls from some resources and has your best interest in mind, especially looking at suggesting seeding rates, varieties, you know, knowing any. I love if the opportunity allows to provide known varieties rather than just variety not stated on any cover crops we can. I think it just gives you more consistency with what you're getting and performance a lot of times just availability you know we it may be a lot of variety not stated and that certainly works but those are things to consider looking at the dealer to see you know what kind of local experience and recommendations they can provide even other growers that they would recommend or or case examples of successes also a lot of the growers will work with other mainline seed companies so looking at the line of seeds a lot of names that have been in the cover crop business for quite a while, at least since this kind of the recent push of cover crops in the last you know decade or so has really hit. So, you know, looking to some of those and they're falling back, their business falls back with quality assurance of some of those companies that have been in cover crops. And so that's, I think, some other things to look at. And just obviously as a personal basis, someone you, you know, feel comfortable with and dealing with as far as providing varieties, you know, being as timely as possible. And then, you know, as far as seed supply, which this is always a challenging time of year because we're about... Harvest and then also seed supply coming in all in one time. So it's just anyone that's able to work through that. This is some other things to keep in mind. And obviously, local accessible, you know, as far as being convenient to work with, as well as you're needing other things or. The other thing is being a little flexible because sometimes you may order something and then the weather or crop harvest may change your mind. And so, all right, so I wanted to plant oats, but it's say we had a, a really wet September and we're, you know, where are we at now? Someone that can help you pivot and shift with recommendations saying, all right, no, this is what we wanted to do, but it's just too late. Someone that can, you know, would acknowledge things like that and really help to make sure you're successful Because obviously your success equals their success in this as well in long term.
0: How should growers analyze markets when they're determining what seed to plant for the next year?
1: I think the biggest thing with markets and trying to determine what you want to plant just goes back to As far as cover crops, I mean, just think about your system and how many acres you have once you see some of the benefits of those coverage. How does that work into your system? And so how many acres do you want to cover? Is it something that, you know, is it corn, soybean? What crops are you seeing the benefits? Where do you want to prioritize those acres? Some that will start off a few acres, a few fields, and then there's A fair number, not every, that come back later and say, you know, we're striving to get 90 or 100 percent of our acres covered with maybe the exception just being some outlier fields that either harvest timing or or something just didn't work on. But I see that and hear that more and more from people. We really want to strive to get as much covered as we can with cover crops.
0: Nathan, what are some common mistakes that you see that producers make when it comes to selecting seed for the next year?
1: The biggest thing is just trying to match your planting date and your cover crops. Those are probably the biggest things, you know, the things that don't survive the winter very well, things like oats or radish and things, planting them, say, now in late in October just is not setting yourself up for seeing lots of results. It often leads to a feeling of, well, that cover crop didn't do anything or that combination didn't do anything when if you had planted a month prior, or even some cases it may not even be you, it may be the weather. Maybe it hasn't rained or germination has slowed. And so there's a lot of things that can play into those performance, but certainly selecting cover crops that are appropriate to the, you know, the time of year we're at, one great resource to utilize for that is uh, through the Midwest Cover Crop Council. I'm actually a part of the Midwest Cover Crop Council. We have a great selector tool that's on our website. That's just another option. And if you search for Midwest Cover Crops, you can find that. It's uh, a really good tool that goes county by county and matches up frost dates and, and growing degree days and kind of bounces out some ideal windows and kind of marginal windows for some of these different species. So it really paints a good picture as you look down, say a list of all the species. And then you can see, oh, here's a month, and this is a good window here of time for that. And oh, it's like, oh, we're getting towards the end of our best planning date for this one. Maybe we shouldn't. As you're getting familiarity, tools like that and others are really great resources. Just help you kind of refine things and know when to make the best selections for the right time of year.
0: Nathan, I know this is an emerging subject right now, but what are some things that you would recommend growers keep in mind with regard to climate change and making decisions on their seed selections for the next growing season?
1: The biggest things that I see immediately is certainly changing rainfall patterns. And then in some cases, it even feels like some of our our seasons are, I'm not going to say a little bit off, but you know, some cases we've seen really warm say falls or warmer degree days and then some years we've you know like this year we've actually been around average and maybe even a little cooler had some frosts and things maybe earlier in some cases than we do some years and then the rainfall that's the other thing i think the rainfall patterns considering that i can speak from example in our area we've had extremely limited rainfall in the last month and we were pretty limited even in the weeks prior to that so we have cover crops that have been planted and are emerged but just really limited growth just because we simply haven't had the moisture. So trying to Look at seed selection, and this is something that like any of us have a good handle on, is you know trying to balance you know, soil moisture. None of us can predict exactly you know the moisture. Certainly, we have lots of great weather resources, but even then, in our area, we've missed some fronts that even areas, even 20 miles to the north, have gotten rain and south or vice versa. I see rainfall patterns, and obviously, we've seen differences in the spring as well, but in the fall for establishment, and that can be a, a challenge. Our cereal grains uh, like cereal, rye, wheat are some of the most robust at handling that. Obviously, they overwinter. overall, they can handle and are really good at overcoming some of the moisture they know to either they can grow and handle it or they'll just lay dormant until they have the moisture to grow. So those are some kind of fail safes with that. But I think that's, at least for me, the biggest things directly now is looking at some of those weather patterns and just trying to think about planting as best we can and trying to you know choose some of our cover crops and things that we can get out as best we can and always try to take advantage of any rain chance hopefully that materializes you know when you see it coming in the forecast when you're trying to gauge you know when to plant and things like that.
0: I want to thank my guest for joining me here today Nathan Johanning. He is a commercial agricultural educator with the University of Illinois. Today's show has been brought to you by Pioneer. At Pioneer our name is our mission. What's next happens for the Successful Farming Podcast, I'm Lori Boyer.